Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium. And we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is ZibbyOwens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Welcome to another day of the June Book Blast for this podcast. This is Rom-Com Friday, so enjoy all of these fun, lighthearted conversations about different rom-coms that I've read and profiled for the podcast. Enjoy. Sunny Hostin is the author of New York Times bestselling novel, Summer on the Bluffs. Sunny is a three-time Emmy award-winning legal journalist and co-host of The View. Last fall, Hostin released her national best-selling book, I Am These Truths, a memoir of identity, justice, and living between worlds. She has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes Woman, Essence Newsweek, the New York Post, Latina, and Ebony. A sought-after public speaker, she has delivered a TEDx talk called A Possibility Model and has spoken in moderated panels at UC Berkeley, Graduate School of Journalism, Corporate Council, Women of Color, and the National Bar Association. She has also served as a witness at the Federal Judiciary's Congressional Hearing for the public's right of access to the courts. Sunny Hostin lives with her husband and two children in New York. Welcome, Sunny. Thank you so much for coming to discuss Summer on the Bluffs, your novel. (laughs) Thank you for having me. 
Thank you. I have loved this book. It's so fun. It's so engaging. I don't know what I was expecting, but I just loved it. It was so great. Anyway, as you know, I've already recommended it lots of places. And it's just, it's a very smart, like modern day relationship book. It's not, I mean, I know Beach Read is something they say that's like disparaging almost, you know, but this is like, it's, it's great. Anyway. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, I wanted to write something that I wanted to read, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I do like escapism and I like beach reads, but I don't like them if I'm being honest, to be too frivolous yep. and just to be too, too light, yep. if that makes sense. So I wrote what I like to read, something that is, isn't dark and dreary, but has some heft to it. Yep. Um, that, that was what I planned to do. So I'm, I'm glad you got it. <laughs> totally. I mean, infertility, grief, sexuality, like you got all the things, like uh, gender, race, like what, what else have we not touched on in this book? I mean, it's amazing. So yeah, I mean, you know, it sort of speaks to like, not that I don't love your cover. I love your cover. It's great. But it's like, it's so hard to convey everything just from the outside of a package. You know what I mean? Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, how would you, how do you know sometimes? So anyway. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing about the packaging is the cover art, the picture is actually comes from this house. It's a real house that I walk past every day. I do sort of this like seven mile walk along the, the water in Oak Bluffs on, on East Chop Drive. And there's this house that I look at all the time. And I'm like, if someone would just like decide to just give that house to me because I walk by it and maybe they see me staring at it lovingly, (laughs) maybe they decide I'm going to give that person that house. And I literally just stare at it all the time. And I, I took a photograph of it. And I sent it to my editor, Carrie, and I said, this is Amma's house, just just so you know. And she was like, well, well that's the cover then. <laughs> and so that's where it comes from. But then when I got like the, the cover art with the house and the pink and the blue, I was like, wow, I don't know if that's what I was thinking of, <laughs> you know, in, in, in all honesty. But the thought was, well, it is a beach read. You don't really want to turn people off, but it doesn't really reflect, I think, the depth right? Of what's inside, but at least it doesn't turn people away. Exactly. I think. I think so. Do the people who own this house know that not only do you stalk them, but you put it on the cover (laughs) of your book? (laughs) Well, they they don't know that I thirst for their house. They don't know that. Okay. It's it's just a subtle, subtle hint. (laughs) I did something similar. I was in Rhode Island and I saw this house and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like my dream house. And next thing you know, I was like, can can someone find out if I can like talk to the owner and like try to buy it, even though it's not on the market? And like why I would need a house in Rhode Island is like being, do you know what I mean? And, and, and my husband's like, what are you doing? And, like, and I was like, she, he's like, what if they say yes? And I was like, I don't know. I just have to ask. I've looked at it for years. I'm like, I know it's not for sale because they seem to be enjoying it. Exactly. But, um... I'm like, who are these people in the backyard of my house? house. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I thought one of the 
really beautiful, interesting parts of this book was how you dealt with loss and grief with this 33-year-long marriage between Omar and, and Amelia and how it took her like three years to sort of go through the morning, yeah. which I found so interesting. Tell me a little bit about that. And and you even had something I loved. Wait, let me try to find this quote that I thought was so beautiful. When you talked about his passing away, you said she had mourned him with the patience that had been the hallmark of their marriage. In the first month, She'd carefully edited and digitized all their photo albums. She wanted her girls and the children they would have someday to know what black love looked like in the 20th century when the world was changing so fast and so slow at the same damn time. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I've been married for over 20 years and my husband is a very sort of old-fashioned guy. Omar, in, in many respects, is sort of based off of my husband, Manny. And he's sort of quiet and a, a man of few words, like Omar, right? And, you know, I often think, and it's a little bit macabre, but, you know, what, what would life look like without him? You know, I don't know how, what that looks like. I don't want to know what it looks like, but I don't know what it looks like. And when we first started dating, he would write me letters. He was born in Spain, his mom's Spanish. And he'd write me letters when he would visit Spain. And now it's a lot of text messages and that sort of thing, but I've saved the letters and I, I've often thought, you know, that's something that I eventually, I think, will show my children. And so the story, it's, it's fictional, of course, but a lot of it is based, I think, on, on our patient relationship. And, and the other thing that I based part of their love story on is one of my best friends. She lost her husband at a very young age when she was pregnant with my godson. And one of the things that she explained to me was, and, and it was a long illness, it was CTE related. Mm. One of the things, and so she sort of watched him die. And one of the things that she said to me was that she kept his shirt and it smelled of him. And, and I thought, wow, it's so poetic. And I asked her permission to sort of borrow that because I think that is such an interesting sign of not only loss, but longing and affection, right? And, and love. And, and I write about that in the book about his sort of turtleneck. Mm -hmm. And that that's where kind of that, you know, that description of, of what I believe marriage is and, and what loss would look like. I love that he wears turtlenecks and jeans only in Paris. <laughs> like, what is that? Okay, cool. <laughs> it's, it's really a character that he puts on. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> No, that image of his closet and that she could keep the door closed and keep the smell sort of trapped as if yes. trying to freeze time. Oh my yeah. gosh. It was just very poignant, yeah. really beautiful. And also, and by then speaking of the letters, you had a whole section in here, of course, about like, you were like, how can people even fall in love these days with emails and texts and dating I apps? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. I have some of my friends that are dating and one guy like broke up with her by text. And I was like, where romance is dead. <laughs> it's so dead with this like swipe right, swipe left. And you know, I like, I, I'm in pain for my children. Like I have an 18 year old and a, and a 15 year old. I'm like, what is that experience? Like, you know, I just, I don't know what, what that looks like. How do they find that? Everything is so urgent and disposable. And I definitely wanted to address that. Like, you know, things aren't disposable. Love has to be very patient. Relationships have to be very patient. And, you know, I try to put myself 
in the place of a 20-something and in the place of a 60-year-old. You know, I, I tried to have that span for, for a women, the life of a woman, because we're so complex, we're so complicated, and our relationships are so complicated, and our friendships especially are so complicated, and our choices are complicated, and we have to own those choices, as the characters in the book do. But <laughs> dating today is just like, yeah. I'm so happy I'm not dating. I I'm, so, I, I'm so happy. I have four kids and my oldest are twins. They're almost 14. And I'm like, oh. this is like not going to work. Like they can't, they can't <laughs> spell. Like what are, yes. are they going to be like texting and professing their love exactly. to each other? And like, oh my gosh, no. It's like. Writing script. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> That's so true. Oh my gosh. I also thought it was so great that you showed love at a young age, but then this like second stage of hot, hot and heavy, like, you know, yeah. I mean, for an older woman and her, how old was she supposed to be? Like 60 something, right? Omar was 73 when he passed away, something like that. Yeah. I mean, how often do we not read about relationships that get that are particularly like passionate things that happen in later life? Like how great. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, you know, I, I talk to, you know, I work with women on the view of different ages. That was Barbara Walter's dream. Every, you know, a, a woman from every decade. And, and we really have that on our show, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. The person that like talks about sex the most is like in her 70s. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I, you know, she, she needles me all the time. Cause I'm like a, a Catholic schoolgirl, really, you know, I, I'm Catholic and, and like many Catholics, you know, I don't talk about sex in writing about that. I, I thought, I don't understand why women in their fifties or forties are like put out to pasture. And like, we no longer have a love life and we no longer have desire. And, and I was like, I want to break that mold. And while I want to, you know, write about this coming of age and career and all the crap that women have to go through. Like there is life after 40, there is life after 50. And especially I've seen it in some of my older friends, their kids go up to college, man, and they are reborn. I don't recognize these women. They are like hot to trot and they are happy and they're going on these like self-discovery missions. And it's really terrific. And the, the women that have read it, especially those that are in their 60s, they're like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. There's hope for me. And I think that the love story between Ama and Carter, especially, is probably the sexiest, I think, out of all the relationships, yep. right? Like, who doesn't want Carter in her life? Mm -hmm. um, I also like, want Carter's photos, please. Uh, yes. <laughs> like, could I, could I, like, buy those somewhere? Where are those? <laughs> photos. You want his boat. You want yes. his bohemian lifestyle. You want this freedom, which should come at that age when you know yourself and you're grown. You know, I definitely, that was something that, that, his character, I enjoyed writing, like, more than anything actually. Ama and Carter. I, I just thought that was like pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. That was super yeah. cool. It was, yeah, it was like hot. I started co-hosting this other podcast lately called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Sex. And I, yeah. and I am like you. I am like, I don't talk about this stuff. I am like so shy and whatever. And I do it with this sex expert who's 59 years old and is oh, like, she's British. So everything's like hilarious, you know, but it's all about, you know, she, she'll like share all this stuff about like her life and women later. And, you know, it's just so funny. So it sort of has opened up my eyes to like 
the unending yeah. nature of this, right? Like, yes. I don't know. When I was younger, I was like, oh, I'm sure old people don't have sex, you know? And I know, I know. And it's so not true. So not it's true. So not true. And, you know, and, and love and lust mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you're sort of untethered at that age, which is really cool. And especially if you have two people that are rediscovering themselves and each other, not themselves really, rediscovering each other and they're financially secure. I mean, it's like, wow, yeah. that's true freedom. And that's this whole like life is short. I mean, yeah. you're in your 70s, like why not? <laughs> why not? Why not? It's not now yeah. when, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love that. Well, you totally captured that with their characters. Oh, yeah, it was so real. It was awesome. <laughs> and then you have this whole other dimension with infertility struggles, which of course more women, like you've tapped every woman of every age. (laughs) Somebody can relate to everything, you know, and even when I don't want to like give things away or whatever, but (laughs) when, when they, one of the characters thought that her boyfriend was cheating and the other girl was pregnant, the the issue was more that she was pregnant, right? Then that was like the biggest thing. Like she didn't want someone else to be pregnant. Well, yeah. You know, I went through infertility, years of infertility and what I realized, and I wrote about it in my memoir, and the response, you know, I, my memoir was extensive, but the most feedback that I got, hundreds of emails, was about that particular chapter. I, I called it motherhood. It just reminded me that people still suffer in silence about infertility. It's almost like shame-based for some reason when so many women suffer through it. And I just remember that when I talked about it, people were like, okay, okay, enough, enough. <laughs> I was like, enough, enough, but we should be talking about it. You know, I'm kind of a blabbermouth in that sense. So I thought that's something that I'm definitely going to write about because I know that women are going through this. And I remember my best friend, I used to, like, I nicknamed her in my mind, not to her. Well, she'll know it now, but I nicknamed, <laughs> her, like, <laughs> I nicknamed her like Fertile Myrtle because like, you just look at her and she got pregnant. And I was like struggling with it. And it was a little unnerving because every time I turned around, she was pregnant and complaining about being pregnant. I was like, what I would give to be pregnant. And so that was sort of where that came from because I would imagine that's what would upset me the most. If, if, my spouse or my partner cheated on me. It would would not be, you know, it would be that someone else got pregnant. And then I think, you know, I would project this sort of notion that, oh my goodness, it's me. There's something wrong with me. Especially if you're a type A personality, like, you know, this character is. This character. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, that was, you know, it's all fiction, but certainly I I plucked a little bit of that from my life because, you know, I know so many women go through that. I just I just know it. And you do question yourself, right? You question your femininity. You question it's like why me? But it's it's why a lot of people. Everyone <laughs> a lot of people are going through that. Just because a lot of people go through something hard doesn't mean the people going through it can't say why me. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, exactly. It's still something. It's like if everybody broke the their, if everybody broke their arm or something, they'd still be like, uh, why did I break my arm? You know? Yeah. It's okay to feel sorry for yourself. And that's another thing that I, you know, that I learned. It's like, it's okay mm-hmm. to feel this way. And that's something that this character kind of needs to learn. Like it's, it's okay. It's okay that, you know, that you feel this way. Well, now I have to go back and read your memoir. I, I, I didn't read it before this. Now I'll go. I'll read it this summer. That's great. And by the way, I heard you have like a whole series of of summer on the sag, summer on sag, and what else? What's the third one going to be? Summer on Highland Beach, which is in Maryland. And and the the way I sort of thought of it is uh, my good friend Larry Graham he passed away recently, but he wrote Our Kind of People, and it's a wonderful book about sort of just the history of African-Americans and, and really the bourgeoisie in particular. He's written a lot of books, but that history included discrimination, of course, against African-Americans, but the places where the Black bourgeoisie was sort of able and permitted to buy beachfront property. And I thought, wow, you know, I've been to all of those places. <laughs> <laughs> One was Oak Bluffs, where Black folks have been vacationing since before the Harlem Renaissance, and Sag Harbor in the Hamptons, and then Highland Beach in Maryland. And it was just so interesting to me also to just, and that's how I pitched it. And HarperCollins was like, this is not one book, this is three books. And I, I hadn't written a word yet. So I was like, yeah, it is three books. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually right in the middle of writing Summer on SAG now. But what's fantastic is what I also wanted to explore was, you know, I'm biracial. So I wanted to explore interracial relationships. I wanted to explore relationships between Black women and white women because in all of those places, these were communities that were extremely welcoming to Black people. And I thought that's a wonderful, especially given today's day, wonderful time, you know, and place to, to sort of explore this welcoming community, especially between Libby and Ama, because I have a lot of friendships like that. So I thought, you know, that sisterhood was very, very special in those places. And you see that again, of course, in Summer on Sag, because uh, you'll see Olivia and Anderson. Oh, good. The uniqueness of their relationship in Sag Harbor. Are more characters from this set going to be in the in the Highland Park too? Well, right now, I'm not sure. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> but I know that so far, Ama, of course, is sort of a guiding light. Mm-hmm. So she's, and Olivia looks up to her. So Ama has made an appearance. Carter is pretty integral right now to Summer on SAG. And Olivia has found sort of a father figure in Bill Pickens Whittingham, 
and I have I have a really pretty relationship. And then I have some really cool women that she meets, some new summer sisters, including a really cool sommelier and a real estate agent and a couple of cool women. So I'm having fun with that. That is awesome. Uh, <laughs> well, if you ever want a book party in the Hamptons, let me know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> like, that could be fun. So how how did you go about, you hadn't written a novel before, at least not that I know of. How do you no. just start doing it after one meeting with HarperCollins? Like, cause it's, <laughs> you did a really good job. Like I read a trillion books and, you know, it doesn't feel like a debut novel. You're very kind. Thank you. I was very lucky. I reached out to Veronica Chambers, who's someone who doesn't really write novels, actually, but she's just a wonderful guide. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to her. She had never been to the vineyard. <laughs> so I was like, oh no. But I invited her to, to join me and sort of gave her the storyline. I'm like, you know, I have this idea. This is the house. These are the women. This is what I'm thinking of. How do I tell this kind of story, this sort of multi-layered story? And we just sort of went back and forth. And, and I did it much in the way that I did the memoir in terms of dictating it. And then she would shape it. She would send it to me. And then I'm kind of a crazy editor. You know, my, my editor, Carrie, is like, you're taking my job from me. <laughs> I edit, edit, edit. It was very difficult for me to give her pages. And then, and so we go back and forth like that. And she just sort of taught me how to show and not tell which was really difficult for me. You know, one example that she used was instead of saying he was walking on a cold night, I would instead have to write, you know, as he walked along the grass and the leaves crunched under his shoes and he had to zip up his jacket and, you know, as he was shivering, you know, that kind of thing. I had to learn how to do that. And then ultimately, because I still was nervous, we held these writer's rooms because Veronica had written on Girlfriends, a television show. And I invited people like Lindsay Davis, who's anchor of World News Tonight on the weekends, and some of my girlfriends. And I was like, does this sound real? Does this sound authentic? What do you think? And I invited men too. Does this sound accurate? And some of my male friends were like, it sounds too accurate. That sounds like me. That sounds like the night that I did this. And some of the women were like, this is me. I know that story. Please take it out. (laughs) (laughs) And that's sort of how it came to be. And then sort of by the end of the process, I was just able to write. And it was, it was kind of cool. Wow. yeah, it's it's a. I think a lot of people. I was a journalism major, and I had written things before, short stories, but this was definitely different. Without Veronica, I I would not have been able to make it. So it's interesting what you say about showing, not telling, because essentially what you're doing is like changing it to what could be a stage direction or something, right? You could say yes. in a movie like, yes. "Have the guy zip up his coat," like, <laughs> "Yes, have the sound editors bump up that," you know, the leaves crunching. You know, yes, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely a skill, but I I could I don't know. I I started dreaming the characters. They felt very real to me. I called my editor Carrie and I said, "Am I crazy? I like I can see these people." I feel like they're talking to me. I'm getting up in the middle of the night and I'm writing. 
what they are saying to each other. She's like, no, it just makes you a novelist. It's fine. <laughs> all the time. So that's when I knew I had it, you know, towards the end of the book, I could hear Billy. I could hear Dulce. I love to cook. I, I, I'm part owner in a restaurant. So that stuff came easy, you know, the dishes and all that, the artwork, I collect art, that came easy, but it was just sort of the putting it together that Veronica was really, really, she was really helpful. Yeah. I did love all the art references, especially yeah. with all the girls' rooms in the house and, Thank uh, you. <laughs> and you know, all of the, <laughs> I'm like, well, this is quite, <laughs> right. quite a range of art in this house. <laughs> <laughs> I love art. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Well, do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Yeah, I think that you should write about what you love. I think that's really important and what intrigues you. You know, I'm, I'm also writing this other thing that my agent is like, send it to me. I'm kind of intrigued by witchcraft and magic and creating those kinds of worlds. I love fantasy. And so I just started writing something and he's like, I love it. And I think that's, I think you write about what you love, what you want to read. I think that's what you write about. Even Toni Morrison said that if there's a book that you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. I think that's the best advice possible. And, and that would be my advice to any author. If, if you want to read it, then you write it. I watched a bunch of your interviews about the book before we did this. And I was like, okay. I really want to talk to her about stuff that I didn't already just learn in all these other interviews. I was like, because you say that quote in a lot of them. And I was like, I hope I can get her to talk about stuff that's not just that quote. And I was like, oh, look, now here's the quote. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's, you no, it's about, amazing. It's the best quote ever. I mean, that's. That's what you write about. You, you write about what you want to read, you know, what you dream about. I think that's, you know, I like fantasy. I'm going to write fantasy. I like beach read centered. I, I hadn't seen beach reads centered on women of color. I just, I didn't find it. You know, I mean, I read all there was out there. I had read Waiting to Exhale. I read Dorothy, you know, Wes. I'd read, read Crazy Rich Asians. I'd read all that. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I'll write something. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's my best advice. And it's the reception that this book has gotten. I'm kind of overwhelmed. It's like sold out on Amazon. I was shocked by that. I would never have believed that in a million years, that there would be a thirst for it the way I thirsted for it, you know? But that goes to show you that if you want to read it, someone else probably does too. Well, it's, it's as I was saying, with all the different storylines and characters and everything, it's really like there's somebody can... Almost any woman can find something in there that they are like, oh yeah, that, that happened to yeah. me, or I feel yeah. I relate to that. Or, <laughs> so that's like the recipe for success, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I wanted. I wanted everyone to, you know, see something in it that spoke to them. And what the best thing that came out of it is that men are reading it. Like I would have never imagined that in a million years. Matthew Yates does my hair Monday through Thursday. <laughs> guy, Derek Monroe, who does my hair on Friday. He does Whoopi's hair Monday through Thursday. And I had the book here. I would have never like said, oh, Matthew, you know, read the book. And he's like, can I, can I have a copy? I said, really? Sure. He came to me. He's like, I'm on chapter six. This is like after one night. He's like, I love it. I love this about it. I love that about it. I love this about it. My father read it. He read it like in three days. My husband listened to the audible and they're like asking questions about it and they're seeing themselves in the male characters, which is 
unbelievable. You know, women of all ages are seeing themselves in it. It's special. It's especially, I think, resonating with the 20 somethings and the 60 somethings. Hmm. I'm, I'm definitely seeing that from the emails that I'm getting on my website. Like they're saying, oh my gosh, I'm going through this now in my career. I wish I had an ama. And then I'm seeing, you know, women talking about like, can I have, can I find a Carter in my life? <laughs> so that, that stuff has been really encouraging that people are relating to it. And I do feel that your male characters are very well developed too. So maybe that's why they're seeing that. Is there going yeah. to be a movie? There must be, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Right now, the plan is to make it into a series. So I'm kind of shocked at that. I, I, I gave the book to Octavia Spencer. I mean, it was almost like I was giving it to her out of my car trunk. I was kind of embarrassed because <laughs> it wasn't even like round or anything. First draft. Here are my pages. Catch. And I had just moderated a panel and I, I had, I knew her kind of, I met her a couple of times and I literally was like, I just read this book and would love for you to like, just read it. And I didn't want much. I wanted like an Instagram post, if I'm being honest, I just wanted her, I just wanted her approval. I don't know what I wanted. And she read it and literally called me, got my phone number from my agent and said, you're going to have a lot of interest. There are going to be a lot of people that want to partner with you. Let me explain to you why I would be a good partner. I mean, Octavia, the incredibly talented Spencer is like pitching me on why this Oscar winner should do like a project with me. I was like, I thought it was a joke. (laughs) I was like, she's serious. Um, And I did. I had other people sort of, you know, come to me about it, but who wouldn't want to work with her? She's so lovely. She's so girl power. She made sure that I got appropriately compensated. She kind of tied her deal to mine, which was like something she said Jessica Chastain did for her. Hmm. She's amazing. And so ABC, I'm in partnership with Octavia, her partner, producing partner, Brian, also ABC Studios. And so hopefully it'll be streaming. That is so cool. Well, I went a little over. I was so enthusiastic about it. Congratulations on the book. Best of luck with everything. And I'm not kidding about Sag Harbor. If you want. Yes, definitely. RA of any kind. We're hoping it will be out by next summer. If I can just get my pages in. I'm like perseverating over it right now. It's I'm trying to show, not tell. So. All right. 2022 summer. Here we come. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye-bye, Sunny. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to part of my June book blast. I hope you enjoy it. Come back tomorrow for more. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. 
every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.